Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. Let's just lift our hands if you're comfortable doing that. Let's just pour out our praise tonight. Father, we love you. We honor you, Lord Jesus. You are holy. You are worthy. You reign above it all. There is nothing you can't do, Father. Oh, we love you, Lord Jesus. And we proclaim you king of our lives, king of our soul, king of our families, king of this city. You're king over Jackson. You're king over this church. You're king over Mississippi. You reign above it all, Father. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. You do. You reign above it all. And every other name must bow its knee before the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we just say in Jesus' name, you are sending revival to our churches. You are sending your spirit to just fill and flood our being and our presence and our congregations and our meeting spaces. Father, we just thank you for a fresh outpouring of your spirit. And Father, we just thank you that we yield ourselves more to your spirit and we yield ourselves more to you and that we would make ourselves more available to you. Uh, Father, we thank you that your spirit is not something we can increase in, uh, but Father, we can increase ourselves in giving more of ourselves to your spirit. Um, And Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus that we do that, that we yield ourselves to your spirit that we place our hands and our lives and our families in the flow and the river of your spirit. And Father, we thank you that just as Jesus prayed, your will be done in our lives. Father, we thank you for that. In, In fact, right now, if you're comfortable just doing that, just pray. Just say, Father, in the name of Jesus, your will and not my own be done in my life. I lay down my will, and I pick up your will. Your will be done in my life. Not my way, not my plans, not my will. Your will, your plans, your way be done in my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we're certainly glad to have you here tonight at Word of Life Fondren. Would you do something for me? Would you turn and like meet somebody you've never met before and just say hello, welcome them to tonight's service. Let them know how glad you are to see them here. Hello, hello. (laughs) 
Oh man, I tell you what, it's certainly good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Uh, we're honored to have each and every one of you here with us. If this is your first time here with us, we welcome you. Can we give it up for anybody who's here for the first time? I want to embarrass you and like, make you stand or something, but we are glad to have you here with us. And if this is your first time at any of our campuses, I just want to say hello. My name's Joel. I'm the lead teaching pastor at all of our campuses. Uh, Hillary Rabbit, who was up here earlier, is our campus pastor here. Let's give it up for Pastor Hillary. Yes, Uh, so we're so thankful for her and so thankful for all of our campus pastors. And, you know, one of the things that the Lord's been dealing with my heart about is this service. And one of the things that I've just been, like, really convicted about, like, in a very healthy way, is that in my own heart, I was treating this like another service and not like a church. And this is a church. This is not just like another service where we come from other churches and that kind of thing. Like this is a church. And what makes church different than a service is community. Um, And it is getting to know each other. And I I know so many of us like want to press into God and we need that. Thank God. Hopefully all of us want to press into God and not just some of us. But one of the things that Jesus teaches us when he teaches us about, you know, shepherding as well is that every sheep not only needs a shepherd, but every sheep also needs a flock. Um, So we need a strong relationship with the shepherd, but we also need a strong relationship with each other. And I want to encourage you to, like, get connected here. Uh, Like, join a serve team. Uh, You know, after service, find friends, community, go do dinners, come a little early, stay a little late. Uh, And I'll do that as well because I don't have another service after this one. But, um, you know, I want to make friends and find connections and all of those things. But I want to encourage you, treat this like a church and not just like another service. Amen. And let's strengthen and sharpen each other, get to know each other and serve one another. Uh, with the spirit of the Lord Jesus. And uh, I'm excited about that. God's moving at all of our campuses just in, in such neat ways. And I believe we're just getting started. And I'm just super honored and thrilled uh, to have you on this journey with us. Uh, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight. Next week, uh, we've got Jabin Chavez in the place. Uh, Jabin is a dear friend of mine. If you've never heard Jabin preach, you will want to hear Jabin preach. And it'll be an entirely different message than what he'll share at our Sunday morning services. But you don't want to miss it. And you want to, like, bring some people with you. Because I promise you, you are going to enjoy him. Um, then after that, I'll be in pocket for a good, good minute. And we're just going to keep talking about the person of the Holy Spirit and his role in your life, unless the Lord instructs us differently. Uh, So open up your Bibles with me to the book of John. We're going to look at John chapter 16. Uh, Here Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and he's about to teach his disciples on the person of the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you what he teaches. So we're going to look at this together. John chapter 16, and we're going to read from verse number 5 all the way down to verse number 15. John 16 and verse 5, if you're there, say, got it. If you're not there, say, hold up. Okay, we'll hold up for a minute more. 
John 16, while, while we're holding up, my wife tells me now I'm an old man. And yes, it's true. She couldn't make it tonight. But uh, she, she told me, she's like, you're an old man. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I'll turn 40 in August and that kind of thing. She said, your shirt. I'm like, what about my shirt? She's like, it's a Tommy Bahama shirt. She's like, only old men <laughs> Tommy Bahama. I'm like, I was in Florida. And I literally, this is how it worked. I was in Florida with my mentor, who's 67. But, you know, out of that, I'd only packed for, like, night meetings, like church meetings. And it was hot. And, like, so he took me shopping and took me into Tommy Bahama. <laughs> and I saw this shirt. And I'm like, I think that'll work for, like, the days. And I got the shirt. And I genuinely like this shirt. So let, let me ask, how many of you are in the, the old man category? It's like, don't do it. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. I won't get the blue one. I was thinking about getting. Okay. I'll have to tell Pep she wins. She wins. That was majority just off of that alone. Wow. Okay. Now I know. And knowing's half the battle. Any G.I. Joe people in the room? Come on. No, skip. I am an old man. No one knew that reference. No one knew the G.I. Joe reference. Okay, Gino knows the G.I. Joe reference. No, gosh, okay, we're here. It's happened. Wow. John 16. John 16, verse 5. Um, this is Jesus talking. He says, but now I am going to him who sent me. Now, just notice this real quick. Now I, who's I? Jesus. am going to him who's him? God. Who sent me, and none of you ask, Where are you going? But because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, now who's the helper? The Holy Spirit. So here we see Jesus saying, I'm going to God, but out of this, I will send you a helper who is the Holy Spirit. Does everyone see here the Trinity? Okay, like this is imperative that you understand that God is the blessed three in one. Scripture leads us out in this in Genesis. Let us make man in our own image and in our own likeness. Uh, God is not singular. God is plural. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and out of this, um, you are to have a relationship with God. Uh, you are to have a relationship with Jesus. You're to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And all of them are the same, but they're different also. Like there's this, this wonderful synergy that begins to work with them. And Jesus is telling his disciples, I know I'm telling you I'm leaving, but it's to your advantage because I'm going to send you another helper. Now, what's shocking to me is that the average Christian today knows a whole lot about God the Father. They know a lot about Jesus. They know very little about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we want to fix this. We want to show you the Holy Spirit as Jesus tried to show his disciples the Holy Spirit. We want to learn what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And we don't want to settle for anything less than what Jesus said we could have in regards to the Holy Spirit. Can I get a big amen? Amen. amen. I say it all the time. We never want to go beyond this, but we don't want to settle for anything less than this. And for those who are listening to podcasts, I'm holding up the Bible. If it's in the Bible, we want all of it. If it's outside the Bible, we won't teach on it, okay? But out of this, if it's in here, in Scripture, I want every single bit of it. And I will contend for it in my life, as should you. So notice, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He calls him another helper. But if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him unto you. 
And he, notice he's a he, he's not an it, which goes back to something I prayed, and this is important because you'll hear a lot of songs that they mean well, but really it's false doctrine. It's like, I want more of the Spirit. It's like, you can't have more of the Spirit. You either have the Spirit or you don't. It's like me being in a room or me not being in the room. It's like, if I'm there, I, I, I'm all there. It, you can't have more of me than here right now, like, because I'm a person. You can have a relationship with me, but you can give me more of you. And somebody says, well, what do you mean by that? Like, you can make yourself more available to me, and you could come up to me, and we could yield, and we could stop and talk and pause and those types of things. And so instead of us being like, God, pour out more of your spirit, it's, it's more of like, Father, let us yield to your spirit who's been poured out. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon our sons and our daughters and our old men and our young men, men who wear Tommy Bahamas and men who wear whatever young men wear. I like all of those kinds of things. Like the Spirit has been made available and poured out, but we are to yield ourselves to him. He's a person. You can know him like you can know me. You can fellowship with him like you can fellowship with me. The Holy Spirit is designed to fellowship with you. Now, notice this. Um, And when he, he comes, verse 8, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have now many more things to say to you, but you will not be able to bear them. Now watch this in verse 13. But when he the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will never speak. Notice he's speaking. He's guiding who you in his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. He will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Not what has happened. He will tell you, disclose to you, speak to you about what is to come. Why? He will guide you. It keeps going here. He will glorify of me, for he will take of mine and will disclose to you all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it unto you. Verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes he will guide you. Now, you've probably heard this analogy before. Like if somebody dropped you off over in a jungle and offered you a guide who knew the jungle or a map, which one would you take? And, you know, it's like, well, I think I'd all take a guide, like somebody who knew it and then others who are more logical. Maybe I'll take a map. I don't know. God has given you a map and a guide. Your map is scripture. What do I do with my life? Start here. It is God's general, uh, general will for your life. Every one of us are to forgive our enemies. Every one of us are to, to walk out lives of devotion and present our bodies as a living sacrifice. This is our map. But we don't just have a map. We have a guide for specific direction. And your guide is designed by God to speak to you and to talk to you about things to come. Why? Where you don't miss God's plan for your life. God has a plan for you. And I know we've talked about this at nauseum, but just let me say it again. You were not born. You were sent. 
God sent you here on this earth. He literally predestined the plans and places you should be. And by predestined, I don't mean you'll automatically walk in it. You have a choice. God's a free will God. He gives every person a free will where they can make a choice. But he did predestine a plan for for your life to go down. So I came to Paul and said, "Your, your life is not going according to the plan I have for you. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Like you're actually going the complete other direction. Same way with Jonah. It's like, my plan for you is to go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, no, they go go to Tarsh. And so he's going in the complete opposite direction. His life is off path. His life is off plan. And so many people literally live and die and never get into the plan that God has for them. Why? They don't know the guide. And I'm telling you, He will guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come. He will hear from the Father, and he will disclose it unto you. He will guide you. Why don't you just say that with me? Say, he, the Holy Spirit, will guide me. You ought to get a little sassy about it. Just say, he will guide me. Amen. I have a guide. Yes. He will guide me. (laughs) Every time, he will guide me. Uh, The story I was going to talk about last week, I mentioned it when we were talking about repentance, (laughs) was um, about uh, two years ago, three years ago, I took the staff guys. I I had it on my heart. It was just one of those things that I felt like the Spirit was guiding me into, uh, to take the staff guys who wanted to go on like a staff guys trip. And I know that everybody likes being comfortable, but memories are made when you're uncomfortable. Uh, so when everything's just like laying by the beach, it's really hard to make a memory. But if you can like, you know, have an adventure and like really do something that gets you out of your comfort zone, memories are made in that moment. And so you want like 80% comfort, but like 20% adventure and uncertainty so that, you know, you're awake and you remember the trip, uh, all of those kinds of things. So we decided to like get this cabin over in the mountains and, you know, all of us are there. And we're doing like all these activities and and some of us are more outdoorsmen than others. I've been outdoors a lot and like had an uncle who would take me like on all these journeys, hunting and fishing and, you know, four wheel riding and all those kinds of things. But it's not really my thing. Like I like to hunt or like go outside, but only be with my buddies, you know, and that kind of thing. Like it's just a social activity for me. And oftentimes I'll see the deer and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that today. Like, God bless you you, sir. Uh, So, you know, continue on. I'm going to enjoy watching you. And then the gun will go. I'm like, my buddy got him. Uh, So, but anyway, uh, you know, I enjoy, but it's not really my thing. Like it's, it's, it's just, you know, not really my thing, but some guys who have been on the trip, it's not their thing at all. Like it's, it's genuinely not something that's on their radar. So one of the things I wanted to do was go whitewater rafting. Uh, And so I'd never done it before. It was something I, I always wanted to do, but I had never done it. So I'm like, this is perfect. And so I love, like I said, finding adventurous things. Like one of my favorite memories of all time is me and my son went to Egypt. Uh, and, and out of this, uh, I was, I got to preach on the Nile river on a mo- 
mobile Bible school that went up and down, right? Up and down the Nile River. I'm like, this is amazing. But the missionaries who were there got us in for 20 bucks a person to ride four wheelers around the pyramids. And while riding, I caught a dove in midair. I actually have the picture of the dove in my hand. Could you not? Like just driving around. No one else was there. Wonderful adventure, incredible memory. So if you want a memory, you got to have adventure. You got to take a risk. You got to get out of the boat. All those kinds of things. So here we are. And in this case, you didn't want to get out of the boat because it's whitewater rafting. But anyway, we're here. And like I tell the guys, I'm like, let's go whitewater rafting. You can kind of tell. They're like, ah. I'm like, no, it'll be fine. Like, we'll have a great time. Uh, let's, let's go. And so we get down there. And before you get on the raft, like they tell you all the dangerous things that can happen to you while you're in it. Like, you could drown. Uh, and, like, all of these other types of things. Like, you'll get trapped under the boat, and when you do, don't roll this way. Like, all these kinds of things. And so I can see fear and panic upon some of the men's faces. And, like, some are like, we're not doing it. I'm like, we're going to have a great time. Everybody in your boat right now. Like, that kind of thing. Because I just know this is going to be fun. Like, this is going to be amazing. So we, we all get in our boats, and our guide steps up. Like, and this was the guy. Have you ever, like, been in something like this? And it's like, I hope it's not that one. Like, because all of them are kind of lined up, and you're kind of picking, like, that guy, you know, he looks like he knows what he's doing. Uh, this was a guy who looked like he was stoned. And, and I'm really, Timothy could be able to testify. I, I'm not sure, Tim, Timothy, you hear, yes. Timothy, was he stoned? He was stoned. Okay, so like, imagine Shaggy stepping out of the van with smoke coming behind him. Uh, so, like, out of this, like, it was this type of, of thing. And I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm like, mm, this is, you know, maybe not one of those things that, you know, we, we, we need to do. And so anyway, he gets on and he's like telling us like the, the lay of the land and like, here's some rapids, these types of things. We're like, okay, well, we'll just get on the boat. So we get on and, you know, on my boat is some staff guys and we're there. I'm sitting, you know, the, the guide is at the very back and we're sitting next to him. I'm here. There's another guy here and then two at the front. And so we're going down the rapid, and we're navigating this, and, like, you can feel the danger. Like, and, and they've been pretty adamant about, like, don't fall out. This is an aggressive rapid, that type of thing. And so, you know, I've got, like, my feet tucked in the raft. And, like, I am paddling, yes, but there's also a part of me that's, like, wrapped my arm around this rope, which they said not to do. But I'm like, I ain't falling out, like that kind of thing. So, like, I'm, I'm prepared. And so we're going down, and we hit this bump. And when we hit this bump, I feel the rapid get lighter and I'm like that's odd because I'm looking at my guys and they're all there the guide flew out of the boat we're in the middle of a rapid and the guide fell out of the boat and I'm like what do we do now like I'm, I'm looking at this like I feel my fatherly instinct kick in like I'm like I must protect my men my boys like I must protect my boys I was wearing a Tommy Bahama but out of this like I, I immediately like figure like I do I need to jump to the back of the boat and try to steer and my mind's telling me maybe but then the other half of my mind is like you don't know what you're doing this is your first time white water rafting and so here we are and I'm like looking around we're all looking around 
around and uh, thank God there were other boats next to us. But like for a moment, I genuinely saw my life flash before my eyes. And I'm like, have I updated my will? Does my wife know where I am? Did I tell my children I love them? Like all of these things because no one has any control over this boat. Finally, we settle down. Emotion uh, begins to die down. We kind of shift to the back, and we steer the boat over to the shore where another boat can pick up our guide. And I'm so thankful for the other guides because they did not uh, go easy on our man there when he finally made it to shore. But here's, here's my point. So oftentimes, we operate in life with so much fear. And I see a world filled with fear and concern and care. Like even when I was taking my son, to, I took him to Egypt and Lebanon on a mission trip. You would be shocked at how many people were like, do you really want to take him there? I'm like, well, why not? They're like, well, you know, terrorism and like all these other things. I'm like, what? It's so funny. We got to Egypt because I had peace about it. I genuinely had peace about it. I'm like, no, this is going to be great for us. And we're in there in Egypt, and we're riding around, and the guy's listening to the radio, and he's like, Psh, America. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he said, America. He's like, another shooting in Arkansas. And like, in their mind, it's like, America's so dangerous, I'm never going there. It's like, so that kind of thing. So in all our world, like, we see these crazy types of things, um, and our, our world is governed by fear. Do I invest in that? Do I not invest in that? Should I place my resources there? Should I bring my family to that place? Should we go there? What do I do with this? I've got a mess in front of me. I don't know how to solve it. How do I talk to my wife like there's division in here and what's going on? What's, what's wrong with her? Like, how, how, how can I course correct this? Like, there's something going on with my children. What is that? Like, what is that? Why, why are they pushing away from me and concern and care and all of these things? And God is like, I am sending you another helper. Why? He will guide you. Well, what will he guide me in? Everything. He will guide you on where to invest. He will guide you in who to marry. He will guide you on what job to take. He will guide you on what house to buy. He will guide you on how to raise your children. He will tell you what is wrong with you so you can fix it and have a better marriage. Like all of those types of things, he will guide you into all truth. Say that with me again. He, the Holy Spirit, will guide me. He will. I heard a minister say this years ago, and it always stayed with me. And he said, if you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, know these three words. First word, respect. First word, respect. Second word, recognize. Third word, respond. Respect, recognize, respond. Respect, recognize, respond. What does respect mean? Number one, respect the fact that God wants to guide you. Respect the fact that God wants to guide you. Um, in scripture, you see these examples that God lights up a bush to get Moses' attention. Why? Moses' life is going off plan. And when your life is not going down the path God has for it, he will do whatever it takes to get your attention to get it back on path. 
God's got paths for you. Now, here's the good news. If you missed your path, God knew you would miss your path, and he creates new paths uh, to get you over into his plan. But Moses' life is not going according to plan, and God is trying to speak to him to get his attention. But when God lights up that bush, he does not speak to Moses. He just tries to get his attention. Once he gets his attention, the Bible says Moses turned aside. And when God saw that he turned aside, that's when God spoke to Moses. And out of this, what this is symbolic of in our lives is that God waits for us to respect the fact that we have a guide and we look to him for guidance. But I can't tell you how many spirit-filled Christians, I mean people who are like spirit-filled, spirit-filled, like know better. When they don't know what to do, they ask everybody but God. They go to this person for guidance and this person, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? And they get all up in here. And did you know the Bible explicitly tells you to lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths? But notice there is no directing of your paths without your acknowledgement of him. There is no directing of my paths without my acknowledgement of him. There is no directing of my paths without my acknowledgement of him. I must respect the fact that he wants to guide me. You remember you know, the story of, of Samuel and Eli's house? And out of this, Samuel is just a little boy and God starts to speak to him. And when God speaks to him, he just calls his name Samuel. And when, when Samuel hears, hears his name called, he runs to Eli. He's like, you spoke. And I always love that point that when God spoke, it didn't sound like God. It sounded like a familiar, familiar voice. To Samuel, it sounded like Eli. I wonder what God's voice to you sounds like. It'll sound like a familiar voice. God's, he won't scare you. Um, so out of this, he speaks and, and he calls for Samuel's name. And Samuel thinks it's Eli, so he runs to Eli. This happens three times. You know the story. And finally, uh, Eli tells Samuel, he's like, the next time God calls you, he's like, this is God trying to get your attention. Finally, you know, I guess Eli was wearing his Tommy Bahama. Like the, the light bulb went off, and he's like, okay, now I know what to do. And, and out of this, uh, he comes with this sage old wisdom, and he's like, this is God trying to get your attention. And he said, the next time you hear God's call your name, say this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And the next time God called Samuel's name and Samuel acknowledged the Lord, respected the fact that God wanted to talk to him, God showed him his plan for Samuel's life. It bothers the Lord when you won't talk to him when you don't respect the fact that he wants to guide you. You remember in the Old Testament with Samuel, they came to Samuel and they said, you know what we want, meaning the people. And the people of Israel came to him and they're like, you know what we want? We want a king. And he's like, well, why do you want a king? He's like, everybody else has a king. Well, why does it matter that everybody else has a king? A king gives them orders. A king gives them instruction. They wanted someone in the natural to tell them what to do. And it bothered Samuel, like it, it bothered him. He goes to the Lord, and you know what the Lord said? He said, they have not rejected you, they have rejected me. 
that he wanted to be their king. He wanted to be the one who would instruct them in their ways. He wanted to be the one who would guide them when they didn't know what to do. And they turned from him to something in the natural. And it displeased the Lord and it hurt them. Now, here's what's amazing. We're talking about life getting off track. Even when they got off track with the establishment of kings, did you know God helped them as much as he could even when they were off track by trying to send them good kings like David to lead them where? Back to him? back to the Lord. And so out of that, when you're off track, God will fight to get you back on track. But I'm telling you, we have to respect the fact that God wants to guide us. We have to lean on him for guidance. We must acknowledge him in all of our ways. Um, Now, I I just want to build this out and we'll talk about recognize and respond in future sermons. But I just felt led to tell the story in regards to this. Growing up, I, I was trained by like genuinely a spirit-filled man and woman. Like when I looked at my parents, there were many things like they didn't know how to do. And I don't mean that ugly because all of our parents have flaws and that type of thing. But both of them came from very different households. You know, just things where like, for instance, for my father, I don't ever remember throwing a ball with my father ever. Um, I would play sports and don't remember him at any games, genuinely. And that's not to shame him or to be like like that, like something was wrong. I didn't know it was wrong. Like I, I didn't like try to pick a dad in the stands and act like that's my dad or like any type of sad story like that. Uh, genuinely, I just didn't know any different. Like they didn't know all of those things. My father, you know, did the best that he could based off of what he saw growing up. He took it to the next level. But one thing, because you have to remember, three years before my dad met my mom, he was a drug addict. Like, there was a lot there to unwind in the mind. And, and so out of that, he met my mom and, and got spirit-filled, you know, came and met at a Christian bookstore, fell in love with each other, fell in love with the Lord, went to Bible school, comes back, starts a church. A couple of years later, three years later, I was born And we're here, and I saw a spirit-filled life lived out in front of me. And, And I saw, like, my father doing things, and it's like, why are you doing things? Because the the Spirit is guiding. Perfect example, Lakeland Drive. My father, when he bought that land, there were people who genuinely thought he lost his mind. There was nothing past the movie theater when he bought Lakeland Drive. We bought close to to, to 50 acres for a million dollars. Uh, like now the land alone is worth $7 million. But he drove up to the land, and he, he parked the car. And I remember him telling me the story. He's like, we were buying land. I'm like, where? And he tells me where. I'm like, that's so far out. Like genuinely, that was my response because my grandmother and grandfather lived in Waterwood. And so I can remember driving out there, and I'm like, how much longer until we get to their house? Especially on Christmas because we always had to go over there on Christmas Day. And you open up your presents, and it's like, we're going to grandparents' house. I'm like, no, because it's like, you know, forever away. So anyway, like, I'm like, why are we buying land out there? And he said, I'd stood out in front of it. And he said, I just felt the spirit say, this is it. And that around it, things would prosper. And we would be glad that we did. He will show you things to come. Why don't you say that? That's a good one. Say, he will, the Holy Spirit will show me things to come he will 
guide me. Uh, so out of that, like I grew up in that. Like, I mean, just grew up all around that. Like, you, you've heard me tell the stories of I'd be like sinning, you know, teenager, and my father would call me in his office, and he'd be like, you know, if you ever did A, B, and C, and it was exactly what I just did, and I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, I can't get away with anything. Uh, you know, that type of thing. Like, he would pick up on things on my friends, and I'm like, they're not doing that. And like, on the inside, I'm like, they so are doing that. Like, all that kind of thing. And so I just grew up with like that bit of the Spirit. I would come home and just hear my father with his guitar singing in the spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So that was like my legacy, just this spirit-filled life. And it's so fun for me to talk to other people who know about these things because it's like, I get you. Um, But anyway, I saw the power of it because my father genuinely, before starting a church that grew significantly, like I said, he had major issues just years before that that God set him free from. Um, You know, GD, no high school diploma, no nothing, but God took that, no strong connections in a community, but God took that and through the leading of the Spirit, he found his plan. And he began to walk it out. And so out of these things, like I I saw the beauty of a Spirit-filled life. And growing up, I had like all of these words and all of these moments where like people would call me out of a service and give me specific words and God just leading me this way. But when my father passed away, and I I taught on like some of that uh, when I taught on Highland Colony only. So if you want to know, somebody says, well, like how could God like be a good God and like your dad pass away at 44 and you're 17 and... I wrestled with all those things, but you go back and you listen to that story of what I told, you'll understand. Like, if you you violate the law of gravity and you start playing with things that you don't need to play with, and it's like tempting the Lord of, like, I'll jump off this and the angel will catch me. Um, you know, it's, it's dangerous. If, if you, if you would use more wisdom, you wouldn't have to use as much faith. And we, are not, and we are not of those who tempt the Lord our God and just asking him to be gracious to us when we know what we're doing is dumb. Um, and that was Jesus' point of like, I'm not going to jump off here and just expect God because he loves me to catch me with an angel. I know not to do that. So I'm not going to tempt the Lord my God anyway. But he passed away at 44. You have to go back and listen to that message uh, in, in some of those things that was going on his, in his life at that season. But when he passed away, immediately, like, kid you not, like, the, the face mask of my uncle went off. My uncle was a surgeon. My, my, he, he says, you know, we did all we could do. My mom faints, like, literally faints in front of me. I walk outside of River Oaks Hospital right there on Lakeland Drive, and I'm walking out there. I sit underneath an overhang overlooking this little hill that was there. And I kid you not, when I say a peace that passes all understanding hit my soul, It literally hit my soul. And for the next three months, I could not make a wrong choice. And I look back and I see, had I made a different choice, none of this would be here. It was like so much peace. You've heard that phrase, a peace that passes all understanding. It was like I couldn't be afraid. I couldn't have sorrow. I couldn't have fear. I couldn't have doubt. It's just I knew what to do. And I just had a knowing on all these things, and everything worked to perfection. And then I never will forget when that peace left. <laughs> because like I was angry, I was irritated, I went through all the stages of grief, like all of those kinds of things. 
But one thing I knew is because of the spiritual heritage I had, I had a guide. And I had all these questions. And I knew, you know, and we'll talk about this, different ways that God leads when we get to the recognized part. On the way to my father's funeral, God spoke to me audibly. I'm not talking like, and you know, I would not lie to you about this. I am not uh, an emotional feeler, very logical thinker, very logical thinker. Like even some spiritual experiences, I'm like, very logical thinker. So, but out of this, I'm literally on Highway 18 passing what was then a Chevron, and God speaks to me. And he tells me, you will be the next full-time pastor of Word of Life Church. You will have double the anointing of your father. Weeping will endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. And I get to the funeral, and literally a man of God looks at me and, and tells me the same thing. And then in the service, he said, I'm going to speak by the Spirit of the Lord. And I said the same thing. Just amazing. And so, like, I have all of these things going on in my spiritual world And I'm like, how in the world am I going to get from point A to B? And fear set into my soul. So I go all the way through Ramah first year. It was a Bible school I went to. All the way through this Bible school first year. And at the end of first year, I'm coming home for summer. And I know I'm going to have to preach. Now, remember what the Lord said. And he didn't just say it to me in a car on the way to my, my father's funeral. Through the man of God, he said it to everybody at the funeral. So I'm feeling this pressure of like, I've got to have double the anointing of my father. Like, what in the world does that even look like? And, and so I feel the pressure to be like good in communication. But like in first year of the Bible school I went to, they didn't teach you how to preach. It's just all the doctrinal stuff. It's like, I have no idea how to do this. I don't know how to construct a message, write a message. So I just took my dad's. Like my dad hand wrote every message he ever, he ever preached. Like literally hand wrote it. I talked to Dean Miller, who was my dad's best friend. They met each other. They were going to school and worked at a pool company. He was from Minnesota. They installed pools and all that uh, while they went to Bible school and then Dean moved down from Minnesota to come help my dad start this church. And so out of that, Dean told me that he said, before your dad ever preached a message, he wrote a message every single week, just hand wrote it. I'm like, why are you doing that? He's like, one day I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'm going to have a church. So I better learn how to write a message. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I don't doubt it because every one of his messages are just beautiful. I mean, literally they're works of art, still got them all. So I pull out his messages and I'm like, I'll just preach this one. Did not work for me like it worked for him. Like, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is so hard. And I'd be so nervous. And I'm like, I don't want to come out. Like, don't make me come out. And I'd look at like the worship team and I'm like, please just keep singing. Let us have a worship service all day long. And one time I'm like, Lord, let, like, let me just call for a healing line and let me just bless people because I got nothing today. So like all of these things are going on in my soul. And, and the whole time this is going on, I'm preaching the whole summer, and like, I'm like, there's so much pressure to have like double the anointing of my father. And the whole time I'm there, I know, this is the only way I know I explain it, I know I am not supposed to go back to Bible school for my second year. I know it. But as soon as I get this in my heart, I immediately feel these other voices begin to try to pull me off path. 
Now, one of the things that, that Matt Beamer, when he was here, talked about is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. May God sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body. May God sanctify you wholly. Not holy, like be holy, but whole. You're the whole part of you. May God sanctify all of you. And what, what that means is, and then he says, spirit soul, and body. And Matt taught on that so well that you, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. But here's the next layer of that teaching. Each one of those parts of you has a voice. The voice of your body is feeling, feelings, emotions. You ever gotten angry? Oh, don't lie. Come on now. You're in church. I know it's Sunday night and we're in Dueling Hall, but you're still in church. Have you ever gotten angry? Oh, come on. Yes, you've gotten angry. Have you ever gotten sad, emotional? Have you ever gotten frustrated, anxious? What is that? That's your flesh talking to you. The voice of your body is emotion. What, what is it? It's, it's Samson seeing honey in the mouth of a lion. And God has spoken to him and told him, don't touch anything dead. And it's in the carcass. The honey is in the carcass of the lion. And he knows I shouldn't do this, but his body wants it. And Samson, this was his weakness, he constantly listened to the voice of feeling. I want it. I can handle it. I'll take it. And so out of that, the voice of the body is feeling an emotion. It's, it's the anger Cain felt when he was rejected. What is that? That's the voice of the body. Um, it's the, the, the anguish that Esau felt, the tears that he felt when he knew he couldn't have his birthright. And it's the same voice that get, made him give it up in the first place. He smelt that food. It, it, he could smell it. And he's like, I'm about to die. Major overstatement. And, but he trades his birthright for a piece of stew. Why? His body. Has your body ever gotten you in trouble? The voice of, of, of feeling, being like, I want it. Come on, whole pack of Oreos. What? Like all of these types of things. Like the voice of our body will pull us. And then you have the next part of you, the voice of your body. It's the outer court. Then you have the inner court, which is your mind, your soul. And it's the part of you, its voice is reason logic. This is the part of you that Satan will hammer. And the way he hammers it, you see it with Adam and Eve, is with thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. You also see it with Jesus when he is being tempted in the wilderness, thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Did God really say this is what he really meant? You should do this. Look at the kingdoms of the world and the power thereof. I will give you all of these things. What is he attacking? He's attacking the mind. Uh, whenever you're weighing something out, well, let me weigh the pros and cons. What are you listening to? Reason. There's something that says, well, I did this the last time and that didn't work. Reason. Logic. It's when Peter goes out all night and tries to fish. He fishes all the spots he caught fish in the last time because of reason and logic. This is what we'll do. But there is another voice that is within you. It's the voice of your spirit. It is your conscience. It is your conscience. And your conscience is the voice of the Lord. It's his spirit bearing witness with your spirit, giving you information to help you run your race and finish your course. 
But out of that, each one of us have a dominant part of us. For some of us, the dominant part of us is our body. We yield to it so much. Which one's the dominant part of you? Whichever one you yield to the most. You yield to the body long enough, you'll be a slave to the voice of the body. And feeling and emotion will govern you. You yield to the mind long enough, reason and logic will begin to govern you. But there is another way. You can yield to the Spirit of God within you. Now, in this moment in my life, there is my conscience on the inside, like at my core, in my heart. When, when God says, like, I'll, I'll um, you know, speak to your heart, uh, it's talking about your center. It's not talking about like a, a, a blood pump. Think like the heart of the melon, the heart of the tree, the center of you. And, and out of this, like I just have a knowing, like I do not need to, to go back to Bible school. I need to stay and I need to pastor this church. But the voice of my body, emotion is like, you are not ready and fear comes up. And, and it's like, no, you don't want to do this. Look at you. You don't even know how to preach. Like, this is awful. People are leaving by the droves. Like, this is not something you want to do. Fear, panic, the voice of my body. And then logic spoke up. And it's like, no, you can't do this. You've got to go back second year. And second year, that's where they teach you how to write a message. That's where they teach you how to govern the church. And so I've got all three of these voices. And you know which one was winning? Every one of them but the spirit. It's like, yeah, I'm afraid. And I have every right to be. And it's a great idea to go back and finish school. I mean, after all, you don't start something not to finish it, right? Like all of these things. And then I started talking to all these other pastors. I'm like, what would you do? And what would you do? And what would you do? And they're like, you should go back. You're not quite ready yet. You know, all these things. But the whole time. I've got a witness of the Spirit. Don't do this. So all the way up uh, to, to making this decision, I'm like, Psh, forget it. I'm going back. I am going back. I've made up my mind. I am going back. And this lady by the name of Patsy Caminetti come, comes in and preaches for us. And she's there preaching, preaching, preaching. We go out to lunch. When we go out to lunch, she, she looks at me and she says, I've been praying for you. Thank God for people of the Spirit. I've been praying for you. I'm like, really? She said, yes. And she said, every time I see you, I see you walking up to the edge of this cliff, and you are looking down, and one more step, you're going to fall off. And she said, you'll back up. But then you'll walk back up, stand to the edge, look over, one more step, and you are going to fall. And when she said that, I knew exactly what she was talking about. Because the Lord will do anything he can to guide you. And so my mom is looking at me. She's like, what sin are you in? I'm like, I don't, it's not what you think. Like, I, I just am afraid. <laughs> I'm petrified. Uh, so like out of this, like I, I, I know, like I, I, I know, like I've got this witness in my heart. And now I've got this like prophetess, like breeding my mail in front of my mom, like all of these kinds of things. 
But you know what? I make a decision. I'm like, no. And, and have you ever, like, partially obeyed God? Like, it's like, I'll kind of do it. And so I, I went to, to, to Bible school, re-enrolled. And on Monday through Friday, I was in school. I'd fly home from, from Tulsa to Jackson uh, by, with Southwest. Um, and I would fly home on Friday night. I would preach on Sunday morning, and then I would fly back to Tulsa on Sunday night. And so I'm like, well, I'm still getting the training, but, you know, I'm not, like, all the way in, that type of thing. From August till October, literally, the church began to fall apart at the seams. And when we would take off from Jackson, I'm telling you, I would get physically sick like my body began to break down. And when we would hit Tulsa, like Landon, it's still hard for me to go back to Tulsa. When we would hit Tulsa, like genuinely, I felt like I was going to lose my lunch. And the whole time, the whole time I am in Tulsa, it is like Gideon on that boat. The whole thing is rocky. Everyone's looking at who's disobeying God. Like everything on the job is not working the way I thought it would. Nothing is going right at school. Nothing is going right in the church. And I would get on the plane and I would fly all the way back to Jackson. And when we would touch touch the ground, I literally would want to get off the plane and kiss the ground. Like, just so thankful to be back. And finally, I did that all the way through October. And I came to the director of the Bible school. I'm like, I can't do it anymore. I, I literally cannot do this anymore. He's like, what do you mean? I told him. And they gave me their blessing to go back. And the rest is history. But I can't tell you. I believe if I would have kept pressing off path, off path, I do not know where I would have ended up. Now, here's my point in all that. A knowing, a prophecy, like literally physically feeling it. Somebody says, what do you mean by all that? He will guide you. And what I have so much faith in is that Jesus meant every word of that, that I have somebody in my life that if I am missing my path and if I am missing my plan and I am missing the voice of God, God will fight to get my attention. If he has to light up a bush, kick me off my horse, he will guide me. And I want you in the middle of every single situation to see God is trying to guide you. God is trying to get your attention. God is going to do whatever he can to guide you but if you will come to this place where you acknowledge him of like okay father I see you mean business and I see you want to lead and guide me into all truth I see you want to show me things to come go ahead and do it speak Lord your son your daughter we are listening right here to you speak Lord we will yield ourselves to your voice and some of you you've already been feeling it You've already been sensing something on the inside needs to be adjusted. Something in life needs to be fixed. There's a knowing. There's a witness. What's a witness? Um, His spirit, according to Romans, I'll close with this. Romans chapter 8, it says, His spirit will bear witness with your spirit. What's a witness? 
A witness is someone who testifies about what they know. Uh, you're not a witness. You can't put a witness, stand, a witness on the witness stand and be like, I think it happened. I think it's, no, they'll never make the witness stand. The witness only testifies about what they know. And when God is guiding you, there is this knowing on the inside. I need to get out of here. There's a knowing on the inside. I do not need to be in this relationship. There's a knowing on the inside. I do not need to put my money there. There's a knowing on the inside. Like, this is not something I need to do. And then maybe even some of you here lately, you have felt it physically. Like, something is just off with you. And it's not that you're sick, got COVID or a bug or something like that. There is something God is trying to literally just get your attention. Like, would you pay attention to this? Like there is a tension that is there of like you cannot keep kicking against these pricks and expect it to go well with you. Like you need to pay attention to the tension and listen to the voice of your conscience. Respect the fact that God is trying to speak to you. And this is the first step to hearing from God is just putting yourself on bended knees spiritually and saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. One of my, my daily practices I try to do is to just get down. I have a, a carpet that I bought from Turkey. I really thought like it was beautiful. My wife did not, so it's in my closet. And it, <laughs> it's true. Uh, so now it's like my prayer carpet. And, not, you know, it's, I, I don't even know, like, there's no scripture for that. I'm like, well, I'll just make it that way. So anyway, like, it's big enough to, like, you know, kind of kneel on. And I just get down on it, and I say, here I am, Lord speak. You will guide me. You will show me things to come. Jesus said, you will guide me. That you will take of what is the Father and you will reveal it unto me. Speak, Lord. Your servant listens. And I'll just sit there. Genuinely. And you know what most people lack in their life? Silence. And I'll just sit there. Anything. Anything you want to say. Anything you want to do. Anything you want to show me. Anything you want to lead me in. Speak, Lord. For your servant is listening. And honestly, many times I get nothing. But sometimes, man, I'm telling you, I'll get specific direction and I'll see something I need to do for my wife. And I'll see something I need to do for my sons and my daughter. The other day I was praying and the Lord showed me something to do with my son. Showed me something to do and and showed me a different way to kind of do it. And it bore fruit because that's what the spirit does. And, And out of this, there are answers awaiting in the presence of God. When you make a decision to just respect the fact that God wants to guide you. And to come to this place where you refuse to be prideful and stiff-necked. Well, I'll do it this way. And I will make this happen. And I will force this through. You don't want to do that. With God, there's a grace. The flesh will always produce an Ishmael. The spirit will always produce an Isaac. Either way, you'll get a son. But one will be a son of promise. The other one will be a son of frustration. And, And out of that, take the time to get answers in the presence of God 
And there are certain questions that belong to the Lord. Questions like, what do you think? Well, what would you do? What do you see? What do you say? And if we will train ourselves to ask questions like that to the Lord and then through others who have spiritual guidance and aren't just speaking out of opinion, I'm telling you, if I'd have listened to some of the most spiritual people I know, I would have gone back to second year. They all thought I was making the wrong move. Because even at our best, sometimes we're talking out of here. I respect people so much when, when I ask them their opinion. I'm like, what do you see with this? And they're like, let me pray about it, and I'll get back to you. We need more of that. Amen? Amen, amen. All right, let's stand to our feet. You all listen so well, I could go on all night. But I remember when that happened in the New Testament, and somebody fell asleep and fell out a window. So we'll, we'll end now with worship. Amen. Just say this with me again. Say, He will, the Holy Spirit, will guide me. The Holy Spirit will show me things to come. Father, we just invite your spirit into this place tonight. And we thank you there are answers that are found in the presence of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we just open up our hearts. And we open up our lives. And we welcome your voice in our lives. Let's just love on him tonight, wherever you're at. It, may, it looks different for us all. But let's just love on the Lord Jesus. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. There is none like you. Thank you, Father, for your guide. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. He's our comforter. He's our helper. On him we do depend. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. We will run our race. We will finish our course because of the guidance of the Spirit the insight of the Spirit. You will guide us with your eye in the name of Jesus. Just say that with me if you want to. Say, He will guide me with His eye in the name of Jesus. Let's worship the Lord today.